You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. faster more intense for the mandalorian chapter 14 the tragedy i am one of your hosts michael cohen and joining me this week we've got another special guest we've got candace from the geeky waffle welcome to the show candace hi michael thanks for having me yeah i we uh we chat on twitter all the time we we uh throw uh uh, theories and uh, uh, speculation and that sort of thing back and forth and our Star Wars hot takes. So it's uh, it's really uh, it's really fun to have you on the podcast now. This is like this is the first time that we're talking other than on Twitter. So, yeah, it's uh, always cool to like actually speak versus like <laughs> DM or reply. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and, uh, man, oh boy, you, you, you really picked a, a great episode to come on the podcast. There's a, there's a lot of meat, uh, in this one to talk about, but it's, but the recap's actually really short, <laughs> which is really interesting. Usually we've got like these really long recaps, um, because there's sort of so much happening and, and there's so much to talk about. But, I uh, I was talking to Kyle who, who wrote the recap this week about it and i was like this will be a quick one for you to write because it's all action <laughs> so yeah. it's like the but i i at the same time the huge developments in this episode massive stuff um and and jumps forward and obviously the uh, legacy character coming back from the dead i for reals this time uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so there's lots of that stuff to get into. But before we do, let's just really quickly jump into the uh, the the news. Uh, we'll start off by talking yet again about the trans rights or human rights. This is the way fundraiser, which uh, as I say every week. Now we're in the the habit of it. Uh, go to GoFundMe.com and uh, and then search uh, trans rights or human rights, and you'll see it. It's the one with Yoda as the uh as the little logo and it's it's up to eighteen thousand and eighty five dollars uh which it's incredible like every every week or two it seems to go up another thousand dollars so yeah um, it's really exciting and we're hoping to get to twenty thousand by the end of the mandalorian season two yeah yeah i you know what i mean like now that we've got we have this coming episode and then the following episode i think by the time that sort of the 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 review cycle which i we tend to be at the tail end of it because i'll put this out on the thursday morning uh before the episode airs basically at midnight that thursday right so i think by the time that we put our episode out next week hopefully 
uh, it's there. Hopefully it's at that 20,000 mark and, uh, and, and we can all celebrate the end of the season uh, with that accomplishment. It's, but, but you know what, whether it, it hits 20,000 or not, uh, $18,000 as of right now is incredible. That's amazing yeah. that the community has done this. Um, and, uh, and, and you've been one of the, one of the, the, the bigger, I, 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 I guess, I guess promoters of it. Right. So yeah, Maggie, um, from star Wars friends podcast and let's talk about star Wars with Maggie. Um, she's the one who started it and well, yeah. Before she started it, she messaged me and she's like, hey, do you want to help out with this? And I was like, yes, please. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like we've been talking about it all season um, and, uh, and 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 trying to, to promote it in every episode. So it's cool to, to have you on to finally have somebody who who actually helped out with it. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, if, if you've got uh, if you've got some spare change rattling around uh, or. Hey, uh, Christmas bonuses are kind of a thing that are happening around this time of the year. Uh, if you got a Christmas bonus, just 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 cut a little slice off of that, and uh, and and throw it at this fundraiser and, and help uh, help everybody get to that twenty thousand uh, uh, milestone. Um, I know when when I get my Christmas bonus, that's my plan. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit more on there, and uh, even, but if you can't contribute. Uh, monetarily, you can always help out just by spreading the word and uh, and and sharing on social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Uh, or I uh, here's this is a fundraising thing that a lot of people overlook. Email it to people, which seems really weird, especially to anyone uh, under the age of I think like thirty five to to send an email to a person. Uh, it feels like a chain letter or that sort of, sort of thing, but um, but it actually. I, I usually yields better results than than just sharing on Facebook or something like that. So, um, just so if, even if you put like a little like note about why it's important to you, um, you're more likely to get uh, get the people who read that email to 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 help contribute. So, uh, just a little bit of fundraising uh, pro tips there. Um, Another another cool thing that's going on right now uh, that was just announced this morning is the Force for Change, uh, their their new contest um, with Lego, uh, where you basically they're asking people to build uh, uh, different like Lego uh, creations, holiday themed Lego creations, um, as part of this contest. And there's there's some really cool prizes. You could win one of those gigantic Lego Millennium Falcons, or. Uh, or like this prize pack with a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, if you go to starwars.com, you can watch the video or to the star Wars YouTube channel, uh, really any of their social channels. You can watch the awesome video that they put together with, uh, uh, a favorite around here, uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Uh, yeah. It was you the so rundown. Awesome to see her again and anything star Wars related. Yeah. So, so cool. It's one of those things where like, I woke up this morning to this news and I saw this, that, that they had her doing this. And obviously she she voices Rose in the Lego Star Wars holiday special. So they kind of tie it together a little bit. But um, but she's also going to be the voice of the lead character, Raya, in Raya and the Last Dragon. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's really clear to me that like they've they've like Disney has her right now. Right. Like they've got her under contract to promote some stuff. And uh, and I think that's why the the Raya thing, I think, is why we got her voice. and We didn't really get anybody else's 
in the Lego Star Wars holiday special because they already they had her in a booth to record that. And they went, hey, can you record these five lines that you've got for the Lego Star Wars holiday special? And she she just like probably, you know, knocked it out in an afternoon and uh, and then went back to recording <laughs> that movie. Um, but uh, but it's really clear that, that Disney's kind of like got her uh, uh, ready to do promo for that movie. Um, and probably probably gearing up to do that stuff. So they probably had her in the studio and went, you're in this. This is Lego. Let's put it all together. Like, it just made sense. So that's cool. It's always great when they can get uh, uh, the actual stars of Star Wars to help promote this stuff. And Force for Change is really cool. It's done some really cool initiatives uh, since it was created back when, when Disney first uh, took over the whole, you know, Star Wars thing. So... Uh, so go check that out. That's very cool. Um, and uh, and and if you're eligible, I didn't look at what the eligibility requirements are, but uh, I I imagine it's probably just for the U.S. Um, but I uh, I maybe uh, throw together your your Lego creations, your holiday. Life. I wanted to. I've got the um, the Lego gingerbread house that they did last year, the year before. Um, and I was gonna take a bunch of my uh, uh, Lego minifigs, Star Wars minifigs, and and put them all together with that, and do a little, do a little holiday scene once I get all that stuff set up. But uh, I highly doubt that I'm eligible to enter the contest, being up here in Canada. I don't know, maybe we'll see. <laughs> but uh, I, the other two cool things uh, for Mando fans, I, uh, Mando is in Fortnite. Uh, for for uh, those of you uh, who check out Fortnite, play that game. Um, it, you have to get the season pass in order to, to get the skin. But if you get the season pass, it's like the first one that unlocks. So you can literally just like pay the like uh, $10 or whatever it is. And you've got Mando in Fortnite, which is really cool if you already play that game. But if you already play, you probably know that. Um, but there might be a few people like me that didn't really play Fortnite. <laughs> I think I dropped in way back in the day for like a week and uh, and 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 played maybe like a total of 10 rounds and and wasn't really feeling it. But uh, but they got me. They tricked me with this. And uh, I, so I I I gave them their money and uh, and I got the Mandalorian skin and I've actually been playing it quite a bit. So if anybody uh, if anybody out there is playing Fortnite and wants to play Fortnite with me, I I just uh, I think I'm pretty sure my epic uh, ID is Ark Wolf, the same as everything else, A R K W U L F. Um, so uh, so add me and uh, we'll uh, we'll get. Uh, our butts kicked by 12 year olds together. Um, and uh, speaking of 12 year olds kicking butt, uh, they're, they're releasing a Nerf Ambin phase pulse rifle, the, the Mandalorian's rifle uh, from uh, before the episode we're about to talk about, uh, <laughs> which is one of the things we'll probably talk. It, this is fortuitous uh, uh, marketing because um, uh, I don't know that. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know that we're going to see this gun ever again. But uh, but you can memorialize it uh, in Nerf form, and it's impressive looking. It's not like a little. Usually they do like the little Nerf versions of them, and either they're too big, like they're a lot bigger than they're supposed to be. Like Ray's blaster is like it's 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 significantly bigger than it should be um or or chewbacca's bowcaster which is like half the size that it should be but this one is like 
it looks pretty good. I don't know. I guess we don't really see it in like a scale with another, like with a person. It's just kind of in its nice fancy box. But um, I don't know. I think I might pick this one up. This is a, this one of those one of those uh, very cool role play. Um, uh, it's not quite cosplay quality, but just fun to have around. I'll put it next to my Boba Fett rifle and uh, uh, just uh, have them on display. But uh, that's it. Was there any other news that uh, that you could think of uh, from the last week or so? Well, we're recording this Wednesday, but like tomorrow, there's supposed to be news. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just want to call it now. It's going to be a Boba Fett series. That's what I'm saying. You think so? Yeah. You think so? Okay, edit it out. Edit this out if I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> but if I'm right, I'll look like a prophet. This will have, this will have gone live by the time that that happens. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, the investor day call is tomorrow at, uh, I think it's one thirty Pacific, um, uh, four thirty Eastern. Um, I, I, I plan on, on watching as much of it as I can. I'll, I'll be, uh, Thursday is my day, uh, I, to, uh, where I have, uh, my girls uh, on my own, uh, when Crystal works all day and we don't have, don't have any childcare for them. Um, so uh, so I'll be like, I'll have it on my phone playing <laughs> while I'm doing stuff with them, but, uh, and then being like, shush, shush, shush. They're talking about star Wars. I, uh, when that, when that stuff comes up, but, uh, also like the Marvel stuff is also obviously interesting, but, um, but yeah, the expectation is that we're going to finally get the news that we should have gotten at celebration. Right. Uh, yeah. all of that stuff that would have been announced there, uh, uh, should hopefully be announced. Uh, so by, by the time that you're hearing this, uh, now, maybe you already know. Um, but, uh, I don't, I, I'm anticipating that we'll, that we're going to hear about this, uh, Ahsoka series, um, and, and that it will be animated because that's been something that's been floating around since before we knew about Bad Batch. Um, and before you, there were even rumors about Bad Batch, there was, there were a lot of, people saying that production had started on the Rebels sequel series with Ahsoka and Sabine. So I think we are going to get a confirmation of that. We might not get a ton of details. Maybe we'll just get a title and like a, a year that it's coming out. Um, but, uh, but I do think that we'll hear more about that. And I, man, I'm holding out hope that we're going to hear about uh, uh, Ryan Johnson's trilogy, that that's still happening. At least just confirm that it's still happening. Um, after Knives Out too. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I'm uh, also hoping Leslie Headland's, um series gets like in a title released out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the expectation with that one is that it's got something to do with the Night Sisters, right? So, or um, um, Doctor. Oh gosh. Or Doctor Afra. Yeah. yeah. I I would love for it to be an Afra series. That would be really cool. I think that that's like Mandalorian. I I think that that. It, it falls into an episodic uh, format really well. Um, uh, and if, if they were basically doing uh, Indiana Jones in space <laughs> with Dr. Afra, that could be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, like I, I'm, I am sure that we'll hear something about it, but um, the, the level of detail that they're going to go into is really, uh, uh, up in the air at the moment there's 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 plenty of speculation but 
interestingly enough, all those leakers who have all of that information all of the time, um, all of the information that has ended up being a lot of it being wrong in the last few months, uh, they're, they're all pretty quiet, despite the fact that, you know, if there were things that they knew to talk about, that they would be talking about them. But yeah, because um, it's too close and yeah. people remember if they're wrong. Exactly. exactly. Well, that's that's yeah, actually why all those leakers and scoopers are why I started my Baby Yoda news. Is because <laughs> I was so tired of people yeah. just making things up, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. well, I guess I can make things up too. Let me make stuff up about a puppet." Yeah. Well, I mean, like you saw it with the Spider-Man stuff over the last twenty-four hours, oh, where it's goodness. like all of this very credible, very uh, uh, I would say logical, knowing where where MCU is happening. Not that this is an MCU podcast, but let's just tangent for a second. Um, like, like these very logical directions with this multiverse stuff and, and with the success of spider verse uh, it's like, okay, yeah, I can see it. Like the, people have been asking for this. People want this. Right. And then today I, I think it was comicbook.com was the first place that I saw it was like, I, I Charlie Cox's daredevil has been confirmed for the new Spider-Man movie. And it's like, that one's a bit of a stretch guys. That one's a little bit of a stretch. Not I that think, I don't wouldn't want it to happen. I want him to be a part of the MCU, but at the same time, it's like I don't know. This is this one seems a little bit too far afield. It actually makes sense to me because Peter's getting his name out. He's going to need a lawyer, be a small little part. Don't even know he's Daredevil, but it's like a wink, wink for the fans. Uh, that could be. You, you know what? You're right. That could be awesome if 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 he was just like, hey. Uh, like 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 he's um like trying to represent him like like he like peter's like in the middle of some crowd or whatever and 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 uh daredevil matt murdoch comes up and is like hey hey i uh, i'm matt murdoch and he's like and peter just like takes the card and then we don't we don't address it until like the last five minutes of the movie where he like pulls it out and he goes maybe i should give this guy a call um and uh and and maybe set something up for the future but but I don't. I don't know. It. 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 it it's. There's. So, there will be so many questions about like. Well. So then, is the Netflix series canon? And you know that. Uh, I guess they could just answer those questions. But. I. Uh, uh, yeah. It's all. I don't know. It's. It's kind of weird. And it. It seemed a little bit like. I. Uh, because the other stuff was all sort of being corroborated by like Deadline and and. I. Uh, uh, like the like serious outlets that that don't really post rumors um and then this one was just like the the usual suspects of comicbook.com and slash film and you know the the more clickbaity ones um not quite the not quite the leaker bottom of the barrel youtubers but but uh close enough still the places that i'm a little bit more more i i i, I don't know suspicious of at times, <laughs> although they were right, they were right about Ahsoka and Rosario Dawson. So who knows? Who knows? Well, you know what? We'll know tomorrow. We'll know a lot of stuff tomorrow, but a lot of geeky things. We'll we'll all have lots to talk about by tomorrow evening. Uh, uh, tomorrow's a crazy day. Tomorrow is the Disney investor call. It is the game awards for, for anybody who plays video games, which there will be a lot of cool video game announcements there uh cyberpunk 2077 finally comes out uh and then we'll at midnight we'll get a new episode of the mandalorian it's christmas is coming a little early um 
but uh, but we don't have a we don't have a red carpet for a Star Wars movie or a premiere or anything like that. So I'll take it. I'll take what we can get this year. Uh, cool. Uh, well, I think that that's the news. I uh, so with that, you want to jump into this episode? Get into the nitty gritty. Heck yeah. Awesome. Uh, cool. So the tragedy, uh, chapter fourteen, directed by Robert Rodriguez, and uh, and written by John Favreau. Uh, here, I'm, I'm, I'll just jump right into the the, the first little paragraph here. Uh, as the Razorcrest approaches Tython, Dinjarin continues to familiarize himself with the child's name Grogu, and helps him practice his Force abilities by playing with his favorite control knob from the ship. Din tells Grogu how special he is and that they are going to find a Jedi who can train him properly. Uh, man, this is bittersweet because this is the last time. This is the last time we'll have one of these openings. This has kind of been, uh, other than I think the first episode of the season, this has been the pattern. This is how every episode opens is with these two in the cockpit kind of uh, uh, having a little bit of a, a, a back and forth. Uh, and uh, this week we definitely won't be getting that. Uh, mm. Thoughts on on this opening? Um, how dare they? Because this was adorable, and yeah. then they went straight to the title card, and it said the tragedy, and I letter- yeah. literally cursed out loud. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna hurt." Yeah, for sure. It's I uh, I it was definitely a, a pulling the rug out. Uh, moment <laughs> it, it was designed right yeah, and, I, and I think it's the really interesting thing is that is that there wasn't a a standard format or pattern in the first season of like this is how the episode opens and then and then you know we get the title card and then we mm-hmm. go into the episode but this season like I said they, they've been very intentional of like here's the opening scene and then you know like like we'll kind of get there um, it was a little bit, it was a little bit uh, uh, swapped around with with the Jedi, but but it was still kind of there, right? Like we still we still get that moment, yeah. Um, aboard aboard the uh, the Razor Crest, um, and I think that they were doing it so that in this next episode, in in Chapter Fifteen, that they can start that episode aboard Slave One with. I guarantee you, like, I will, I'll be very shocked if the episode doesn't open with Din sitting in a seat behind Boba and, and Fennec, I like sort of like in the, in the position that Grogu would be in on the Razor Crest, right? Sort of in the little passenger seat, um, looking at the ball. Like I, I, I guarantee I stake my reputation on the fact that this is how the episode will, will open. I love how the ball was like a meme from last season. Yeah. And now it has like so much emotional weight to it. Well, the funny thing is that like the, the black series figure, he comes with it. Oh yeah. He comes with the knob and you wonder if, if when they were making the black series figure, if I, you know, like sort of when asked uh, to, to, you know, uh, like what they thought about it, if John Favreau or Dave Filoni was like, make sure you you include the knob. It's like like it's just it's got to be there. So he comes with a frog, uh, the knob, and uh, and I think the little tea, the little not teacup, but the little broth bowl. Yeah, right? his little broth. Um, 
so yeah it's like like uh even even last season i think they were intentionally setting this up knowing that they were that they would be creating a connection with this um and we know like from from the sin like that's the it's it's a it it was sort of intrinsically linked with with grogu from that moment right um so yeah i i yeah i i I think a really good opening and and we get we get that moment this is what's so heartbreaking about it is that we see these two characters growing together and din letting his guard down oh michael also time we hear din laugh yeah well exactly right that is huge yeah yeah i it's yeah like that that very like self-serious facade has has broken in this moment and he's just and i love it when he when he swears when <laughs> he says yeah. dank fair and like he and he hits his knee and and grogu gets upset like like he's done something wrong because the only other times he's heard din use that phrase is when bad stuff happens and he's like no 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 it's a good thing like this oh no and and uh, being a dad it's like i can relate to that when you when you uh sort of exclaim something and your kid looks at you like well what just happened and you're like no no no, i'm just i'm happy i'm excited um and it, yeah like they they just they just really wanted to hammer home to us that uh that that these two belong together right before they rip them apart of course <laughs> Just a twist a knife a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. You want you want to continue with the next one? The ship flies over Tython's rocky landscape, and Din spots the Jedi ruins that Ahsoka told him to find. Unable to land on the steep hill, he sets the ship down nearby and flies up to the ruins on his jetpack. He places Grogu on the ancient seeing stone, but nothing happens. Hearing the distant sound of an engine, Din looks up and watches. As a spaceship, Slave One flies overhead and lands nearby. Thinking that another bounty hunter is coming after the child, Din turns his back to the seeing stone and finds Grogu suddenly in a deep meditation and surrounded by a force field that reaches the sky. Din tries to take Grogu from the stone, but is repelled by a mysterious energy, so he reluctantly leaves and heads down the hill to confront a new arrival. I... Jedi Fallen Order vibes, to yes, say the least. Definitely. Right? Is Grogu saving his game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was, I was making the joke uh, uh, online uh, with uh, with uh, Connor, who's a huge, huge, like the biggest Jedi Fallen Order fan, I think, on Star Wars Twitter, right? He's, he's played through the game like 18 times. Um, Dapa Banana, I, I, for for those uh, who, who don't know. Um, and, uh, I, he was, he was talking about the similarities too. And I was like, yeah, he was clearly spending those, those force points, <laughs> like the, the skill points <laughs> that he's upgrading. been saving, which explains how he's able to toss those guys around at the end of the yeah, episode. Oh, it's true. like, oh, he finally invested all of his skill points, but he should have put some more into his, uh, in, into his force meter and maybe he wouldn't pass out. So far. Yeah. But got to uh, get his stamina up. Yeah, yeah, I. But yeah, I. The the runes. I. I mean, you can't you can't help but but notice the similarity to, to some of the design from Jedi Fallen Order in that and the way that they light up blue. Um, this is one of the only times that we've that we see the Force, right? Like, 
most of the time in Star Wars, the Force, it, I even like before the special editions, it was literally just like we saw the effects of it. We mm-hmm. we didn't really get any other indicators, and then in the special edition, they added a sound effect for when Vader is Force choking uh and and stuff like that and we we, they sort of it was it was generally just john williams music that would cue us that something otherworldly was happening um and then in the sequel trilogy i think we get a little bit more of like maybe some like effects effects sort of things um with i i with luke projecting and 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 stuff like that um and then obviously the end of rise of skywalker but the end of rise of skywalker has nothing to do with star wars um and is the end of a dragon ball z episode so it doesn't really make any sense anyways tell me how you really um, feel yeah uh, everybody, everybody listening is well aware how I feel. In fact, in my opinion, they should have just gone all the way, and she should have just shot Palpatine with a fireball. Um, and, um, uh, changing the sub- just... subject, Michael, what was your reaction when you saw Slave One? I uh, surprise because um, I thought expected it was an someone right? to show up and interrupt, right? But yeah. but yeah, I mean, like it so many questions immediately right of yeah. like okay so if boba still had slave one like did he was he on tatooine the whole time yeah he had, he had he to pay a tatooine lot of since he, yeah yeah like Five years. like i has it just been sitting in Jabba's palace, like in the docking bay at Jabba's palace for the last 10 years or whatever, uh, five, seven, whatever I, the timeline is so confusing at times, but I uh, like, has it just been sitting there? Has, has, ha, has did somebody steal that too and he had to go finish that quest and then he came back to Tatooine just as uh Mando was leaving with the armor like like if if he wanted the armor back why didn't he just take it back from Cobb like or was he trying to track it down like how did the Jawas end up with the armor who helped him like all of this stuff immediately floods into my mind and I'm like well maybe we'll get some answers this episode not really I'm expecting a, a short story and a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, for sure. We'll I, that would be the perfect place to do it. Um, hopefully well, from the Jawas that pick them up in the desert. Yeah, or maybe we'll we'll get a little monologue from Boba in the next episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I... Seeing Slave One in the air, it's really, like, it's it's been... Uh, uh, a very long time since Attack of the Clones, since we got to see that ship doing yeah. its thing, um, and and in these colors, it's been you know since Empire. So, um, seeing it realized on screen in this way, and I look, I'm gonna I'm gonna complain a lot about the setting of this episode. I'm not a big fan of the aesthetic of Tython, um, but one thing that I will say is that that like the totally flat like midday lighting makes it makes it really really hard to do effects right like like usually if you do like really stylized stuff it's easier to get the effects to match a stylized look but to do a very like boring average midday look it's a lot harder to hide special effects because the you get that uncanny valley uh, effect right um of it like it's so close to reality that we can spot the flaws um 
whereas if it if it's stylized you can just make it look cool and then people will forgive a lot of stuff um but it but with this it's like it looked like the slave one was really flying it didn't look like a special effect like it yeah, looked okay. like it was like the haze from the distance and all of it was so perfect that i was just like oh that's real like that's just real and like i was just giddy for a second of like oh that's so cool and then the dread set in of like oh yeah. no <laughs> right but uh, first, like, yeah i felt like a little kid again watching star wars for the first time i'm like oh my god he's here and then i'm like oh no called <laughs> exactly yeah knowing exactly what that what that was gonna mean which i think i think was perfect um just like just like the title card of the tragedy setting us up for what this episode was going to be letting us know very early like before we see boba fett here comes boba fett right yeah. so that we're in the same sort of position that that din is in where we're like oh no like like hard choice do i stay with the kid do i stop them uh it's a it's a there's a build-up to it as opposed to if if um if boba had managed to sneak up on him right um, instead of instead of the more direct approach, so um, yeah, I like that. I li I like the tension that it built, and it also you expect like a full battle to happen, and then when it doesn't, mm -hmm. which is the next part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, let, let me continue. Let's get to it. Yeah. Uh, at the bottom of the hill, Din encounters a hooded man carrying a Tuscan rifle and gaffy stick, who says he's been tracking him for some time. The man pulls back his hood to reveal the scarred, grizzled face of Boba Fett. He's come, come to reclaim his armor that Din got from Cobb Vanth on Tatooine. Fett is accompanied by Fennec Shand, who he saved from the brink of death after her betrayals after her betrayal at the hands of Toro Calican. We should I feel like I should spit at the at the mention of Toro's <laughs> name, but uh, Din refuses Fett's request and questions his Mandalorian lineage. Boba claims he has no allegiance to anyone but himself, but says that the armor was given to his father by Jaren's forebears and that it is his by right. After a tense standoff, Fett convinces everyone to lay down their weapons and Din to put down his jetpack and offers a compromise. The bounty on Grogu is higher than ever, and he and Fennec will help ensure the child's safety in exchange for the return of the armor. Um man like i anybody who's been listening to me talk about star wars for any length of time probably knows i am not a boba fett fan uh or i should say that in the past tense yeah i same. was not a boba fett fan i was kind of i was like he's cool fine you know just a little like meh about yeah. him but now i am on the boba fett train all aboard yeah. Yeah, i the i it was one of those things where like the more we learned about boba fett the less I liked the character. <laughs> um, like, like, you know, the more, the more he showed up in the EU, the more like when he shows up in attack of the clones. And then every time he was on the clone wars, he was always so annoying on the clone wars by design. I mean, he was written that way. Right? Yeah. He was a child. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was on a, he was, he was on a journey that Dave Filoni was starting that character on. And it's funny because we've got the beginning of that with clone wars. And now we have, sort of the end of it with Mandalorian, but we're missing a, a whole bunch of the middle chapters other than what we see in the movies. Right. Yeah. But it was one of those things for me that when I was a kid, I definitely loved Boba because it's just the look when you're a yeah, kid, he cool. he's an action figure. Right. 
Um, and he's one of the best action figures you could ever own. Like that, like Joe Johnston's design for, for that bounty hunter was so good that when it came time to add Boba Fett into the story in empire, George was like, just use that character that never made it on screen in a new hope. Like we've got the, we've got the outfit just like, and, and they did some work and they were going to paint it all white so that he looked like he was a stormtrooper. but they ended up just going back to the colors that he was. And like, there, there were all of these choices, but it, but it ultimately came down to like, no, that look is the right look. And Joe Johnston nailed it. Like he nailed so many of the builds in the original trilogy. Um, I, why he hasn't been tapped to direct a star Wars movie. I don't understand. Uh, or, you know, direct a Indiana Jones movie as well. But anyways, because uh, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger is basically a Captain America, Indiana Jones movie. It's yeah, he fights like, Nazis. The, the, the whole the whole aesthetic is is uh, early Spielberg. So um, but yeah, like that suit is like the whole thing. Right. And for a long time, for me, like that was enough. But then as we learn more about the character is like, eh. He actually doesn't do anything other than track Han and Leia to Bespin. Like that's the only thing that he actually does that's cool. And then he's got a jetpack, but you know, then we see Django and it's like, well, Django's cooler. Django like he's got the silver look. He's he he does cool he fights Obi-Wan Kenobi, yeah. right? Fights um, Obi-Wan and lives. Yeah, exactly. Unlike um, what we thought happened to Boba. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Boba just goes out like a punk uh, in 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 the 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 fight over the Sarlacc pit, right? So, yeah. So I've uh, over the years uh, developed quite the distaste for him. It's similar to my distaste for Batman. It's not that I don't like Batman. It's just that I hate how much everybody loves Batman for nothing, like yeah. like for for no real reason. I never when got there are why more interesting characters in my opinion. Right? Yeah, I never Boba's got why people thing. say Boba is their favorite character ever. I yeah. somebody told me, yeah, there's some EU Legends books which I yeah. never read, and I understand. Yeah, okay, if you read those, but if you're just watching Clone Wars and the movies, I don't get it. Until yeah. now, I'm until now, yeah, because now they've added depth and gravitas and and meaning to this character. And he now has one of like, I don't know, I'm going to say at the moment, it's in my top five Star Wars quotes. Uh, Fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched. It's what an incredible line. Like that is that is such good writing. And then beyond that, Tamura Morrison's delivery of that line is unbelievable. Like it is it's etched into my brain. Um and it says so much about where Boba is at now um, and this transformation uh, uh, that Fennec Shand has also undergone. Um, and just like these, like they, they are, they are very much like reborn characters. And even though we don't know anything about Fennec Shand other than, you know, what we were told in episode five of, of last season and what we see in this episode, um, you can tell that it's such a difference. Um and when she reveals her stomach and it's like just all mechanical on the inside, which is a very interesting thing when you relate that to Din and how much he hates droids or hated droids before IG-11. But it's sort of the the symbolism there of 
IG 11 was the, was a savior last season. And now here comes Fennec Shand and she's got, she's part droid. <laughs> she's got yeah. the, her insides are the same as IG 11, right? Like that's, that's to me what they're trying to get across there. It's, there's just so many cool things in this journey that's, uh, uh, I'm so glad that we're going to see more of these characters in, in the next few episodes, uh, hopefully throughout the rest of this series. Um, yeah, or so, in their own series. We don't know. Or in their own series. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, and, and when you hear Tamora Morrison, uh, he's, he's done a few interviews recently. Like, like there's one on starwars.com where he talks a little bit about it. And there was one on um, New York times, the Rolling Stone or sorry, New York times, New York times. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a great interview where he talks about like sort of the deeper meaning of a lot of this stuff for him um, and how excited he was to come back and play this character. Like he, like this matters to him and you can tell cause he's putting so much care into, into this portrayal. Um, and there's just like, there's a, there's, there's just this, this aura about him. He's, although it is obviously tomorrow Morrison is also Django Fett. And 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 Tamura hasn't played Boba Fett previously, other than voice, right? Other than like the 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 Blu-ray re-releases got his voice uh, uh, edited in there. Um, and like other than that, he's never he's never played this character on screen, and he's finally playing him, and and he's so different, just the way he carries himself, the way he looks. I, I just, like I said, like there's an aura about the character that's so different from Django and it's, it's, it really just speaks to the skill that Tamara Morrison has as an actor, uh, that, that he's able to just give that off instantly from the moment that we see him. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm in the camp of, I prefer him without the armor. <laughs> I like him better in the robes, but, uh, I know that some people are very happy to see him back in the armor later on in this episode, but. Both but, is uh, good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like clearly that conversation happened when they were doing the the cardboard standees. Yep, where it was like, well, what are, what are we gonna do? And they were like, it's like the 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 com- the old El Paso taco commercial. It's like, how, how about both? <laughs> like, can't we just have both? And so we do. You can get you can get both of them, and you can just surround yourself with bobas, uh, with uh, uh, manly bobas. Uh, and uh, yeah, everything about his return is awesome. Uh, the way he says Boba, the way they, they which I can't even emulate because uh, his accent just just does it so well. The way he says Tatooine is like, it's like, it's like butter. It's just like butter. I love it so much. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's awesome. It's so cool to have this character back. Um, any other thoughts before we, before we move on? Uh, no, just. Love him. I'm yeah. Team Boba. For sure. Cool. Uh, you, can, you can move on with the next one. Before Den can agree to the deal, an, impor- an Imperial trooper, oh, sorry, an Imperial an imperial troop carrier flies overhead and touches down next to the Razor Crest. Realizing that Moff Gideon's forces have come for the child, Den runs back up the hill to the Jedi ruins. He once again tries to remove Grogu from the seeing stone, but the energy field violently throws him back and knocks him unconscious. Boba and Finnick take cover behind some large boulders and open fire with their rifles as stormtroopers swarm out of the transport. 
After taking out a few enemies from a distance, Fett ditches his rifle in favor of its gaffy stick. He ambushes several troopers and takes them down in a brutal fashion, screwing their armor and smashing their helmets with a, the sharp Tuscan club. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, you, could feel, you... you could just feel that. And yeah. it was, yeah, it was, it's Robert Rodriguez, you know? <laughs> For sure. I loved yeah. it. Y- yeah, I I like I said before, like there are some aesthetic things about this episode that that aren't it's not even necessarily that they're not to my taste because I would enjoy them in something else. They're a little bit off when it comes to Star Wars. Like it was just a little bit it was a, it looked a little bit like a Star Trek episode for my taste, <laughs> which like yeah, they're out in Star that Trek kind of, I don't mind, but a lot. that kind of setting a lot yeah yeah it, it but and and um definitely like the low angle shaky camera type stuff i uh, it's all executed really well robert rodriguez knows what he's doing and i would never deny that but for me i i just personally don't like star wars from that perspective um a like the original trilogy in particular the camera is very objective. Uh, it it plays in the wide a lot, which um, uh, is a stylistic choice that George put into it to make it more real, right? Like it when when the camera feels removed from it, it 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 um it sort of gets it, it I don't know it breaks down the fantasy layer a little bit. Whereas when the camera is subjective and and uh, uh, moving around and stuff like that and and the low angles and stuff like that, it you're 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 more in like the the genre sort of lens, which Star Wars it straddles that line and it's re- to me it's really important that it does that. This is all like film school stuff that probably doesn't bother the majority of people um and that just uh pretentious film school graduates as such as myself care about but uh the other part of it is just that like when i was in film school i was trying to learn how to do things the way that george lucas and steven spielberg did them because they're the filmmakers that i liked um and and you know like that that more uh, uh like locked down like intentional type of framing and everybody else was really big on just picking up the camera with their hands and and running around and following the action which to me was always it always felt lazy (laughs) like it always felt like the easy way to do it and everybody would get praise for like oh wow and the reason why it was exciting was because this was back in 2003 2004 when all of a sudden cameras were small enough that you could do this yeah um so everybody wanted to do it because it was new and exciting. Uh, and I was trying to do stuff that was a lot more difficult and shooting myself in the foot by doing that. Cause I wasn't nailing it. I wasn't, I obviously at 19 years old, I wasn't as good at filmmaking as George Lucas or Steven Spielberg. So, um, so I don't like, I think that I have a little bit of a, of a, um, a chip on my shoulder as a result of that. So I had very specific reactions to this episode, even watching it multiple times. It's like, it's this, this thing that I can't shake, but I don't fault anybody for loving this episode. (laughs) I just, it was funny on Twitter the next day or really like that night. Um, 
my reaction was the opposite of everybody else's. Everybody was like, this was the best episode oh, yeah. of the series. I remember telling you, like, it's okay if you don't like it. Yeah, and I was like, I don't, I didn't, oh no. <laughs> like it was, I had to, I had to talk to a few people about it. And I, I, I talked to, to, to Ty, who's been on this show uh, in the past. I had to talk to her uh, like at length about it <laughs> uh, on Twitter. We went back and forth uh, in DMs and I, uh, and and she was very much like i don't know what your problem is <laughs> like and i just had to kind of talk it out and she was just like a sounding board essentially um but i uh, but yeah i but that all of that said the action is visceral in this episode like you you like you said you feel it you feel it when when mando smashes these stormtroopers in the face um and and the thing that I love the most about the Disney era, uh, not the most, but one of the things that I love the most about, about the Disney era of star Wars is, is the way that they have, have um, like really upped the authenticity of stormtrooper armor by making it almost like ceramic in a way. Like it, it started in, um, in the force awakens when the stormtroopers get, get hit by the bowcaster, right? Like, especially when they're breaking into Starkiller base and, and Chewie hits the one with the bowcaster and he slams against the wall and chunks of the armor come cracking off of it. Um, and, and the sound design was very much like, it sounds like almost like a teacup shattering. Right. Um, and they, and they've carried that through. And then in season one of Mandalorian, when the armorer smashes those stormtroopers in the face and we get the same sort of feel, it just like, it makes them feel less like they're just wearing plastic <laughs> and more like it's just this really high tech, really, you know, futuristic uh, uh, battle armor. Um, but it's obviously not Beskar. It's not it's not what Boba and Mando wear. Right. Um, yeah, we have um, a we had some theories on my live stream or Mando Night Lives, and it's that the Empire is like on the fringe and they're running out of money. So maybe they're doing some cheaper hmm armor um but can i talk to you a little bit more about like the robert rodriguez style because like actually my degree yeah. is in mass comm with a uh, focus on production so okay. i have some things like that and i feel like knowing who was directing helps mm -hmm. and also with robert if roberto it feels like he it, the whole thing is you need to know the rules to be able to break them yeah and I felt like there were more wide shots, maybe more establishing shots, and he used the setting a little bit more, but it felt very real to me, more than some of the other episodes. Mm. That could be just because there's less CGI than some. Yeah, for sure. It's, it, I, I, this, is, this is another one of those Robert Rodriguez things, right? Of like, there's a lot in the camera. Um, and and that is very much uh, I if if people want to learn a little bit more about the way that that he does things, the way that he makes movies and his thought process, I go watch the episode of The Chef Show. It's from the first season, I think, of, of The Chef Show, where I where John Favreau goes over to his house and they make pizzas and they talk about making movies while they're making pizzas. And and uh, I. And, and he talks a lot about making um, uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, right? And 
and and that like the way that a lot of his stuff was informed by just by not having the, the money to do it <laughs> the way that yeah. movies you did it at the time right and he was very much shooting i i in the way that i think a lot of uh, uh digital filmmakers shoot now but he was doing it with film um without the luxury of being able to do multiple takes uh and so they it it gives his stuff this this uh this interesting authenticity um i uh, because he he does as much as he can sort of on the location in the camera um and then and then takes it back and 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 breaks it down and and he talks at one point about you know like when you're when you're writing it it, it's sort of like uh, uh, writing down your your grocery list, and then when you're shooting it, it's it's like when you're actually in the store shopping and you're getting the ingredients, and then editing is when you actually cook the dish, right? And and so the way that he looks at shooting is very much like, oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna get the best ingredients in order to make the best dish when we edit, right? And that's very different from someone say like I don't know, let's just call out J.J. Abrams. Uh, who's very much, we're going to shoot this 15 different ways. And then we're actually going to change it after the fact, <laughs> right? Like we'll, we'll change it in the edit. Um, or change it uh, if we didn't get what we want. Afterwards. Yeah. And that's a very different, that's a very different thought process. So, so it's, it is one of those things where it's like, I, I do, I have to recognize that like, well, it's not, it's not my favorite episode of the series like i i I totally recognize that he's a great filmmaker um and that he knows what he's doing i just think that his sensibility is very different from a lot of um the the others that that have been on this series specifically and that have done star wars in general right oh um something Um, else is just like did, did you know he was like a last minute replacement yeah, I did. I did. I did hear that. Uh, uh, that yeah, yeah. He kind of came in um, to to fill in at the last second. So that's that's maybe one of the other reasons why it why the location and stuff like that feels a little bit sparse. Yeah, I would um, like to know what he would do if he had like the full time to like yeah. prep and you know maybe I, consult more and do that kind of stuff. I would love to see more Star Wars from Robert Rodriguez. Okay. I like that's not like. Like by no, but like I'm I'm super excited for the next episode because it's Rick Famuyiwa and I love his episodes from last season. So so like I tweeted like oh man you know like it doesn't like whatever happened this week doesn't matter because next week is gonna make up for it for me, right? But but this might be weird to not weird but like I know that some people have real issues with Alita, um, and I totally understand them. I love that movie. I actually watched it on Friday night because of this episode, because I was trying to reconcile all this stuff going like, but I love Alita. It was, I love the visual style of it. I love the character stuff. I thought he did such a good job with it. Um, and, and, and I also really like the spy kids movies, right? Like I, I, they are what they are, but even saying that, like they're, they're fantastic. Right. So I was trying to like reconcile, like, why don't I like, why don't I like it this episode, the way that he did this episode when I actually like his stuff. Um, and I would love to see him do star Wars. That's a little bit stylistically closer to, to what he did with Alita, which, which when I watch Alita, like I said, I watched it on Friday. I, 
it there are it, that is shot in the wide and it doesn't have as much of like the subjective camera stuff but he's also emulating anime in that movie right so it's a uh, uh, it's it's just interesting when you watch a, a filmmaker's sort of career and and you look at their the 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 breadth of their stuff i think the fact that he was brought in as a last minute replacement is is a really important thing to to bring up i'm glad that you did because i do think that it speaks to him sort of relying on on those skills that he developed when he was an indie filmmaker back in the 90s because he was coming in and it it did have a gorilla feel to it like this episode had a very gorilla feel to it of like we're gonna get in we're gonna shoot this and and you know like it's it's gonna be messy but but it's gonna look good right um and that's sort of the aesthetic that you end up with and it, it works it does work for this character and for the story that's being told in this episode but uh it, I think it's just. I think it was just jarring for me. I think it wasn't what I was expecting. I think I had the. It's always the problem with Star Wars. I had expectations that it was going to be one thing. Uh, I was expecting Tython to look like it does in a video game, which was dumb. <laughs> it was dumb on my part, right? Not, and I didn't even play the Old Republic, so I don't even have any allegiance to that. I think I just like set myself up for sprawling Jedi temples, and we got uh stonehenge on the top of a mountain in southern california right like it it was it like these were very different ideas (laughs) but i the further i get away from it the less i care about the things that bothered me so when i watch the season again in a year before season three uh it won't it probably won't bother me at all Uh, i had similar reaction to the prisoner last season so it's uh now i don't have any problems with the prisoner so that's one of my favorite episodes i hear that from a lot of people and and it's not that i don't like i like just like this one i love what they do with the story in this episode i love the plot points i love the character introductions or reintroductions i but but there were just some stylistic things that i that i wasn't a big fan of with the prisoner I I love everything about that episode except for i i the the twilight character uh, i can't remember her name right now but but i just like that that performance is such like a a like cardboard cutout stereotypical performance like like when she growls and stuff that i'm just like this isn't like this this doesn't feel like a twilight to me <laughs> like it just it rubs me the wrong way and it was something that bothered me in the moment that doesn't bother me as much now because now i just attribute it specifically to that character but um yeah i don't know it's uh, it, it sometimes we have like these visceral reactions when we see something for the first time and and i think usually it has to do with expectations or preconceived notions and and you just need a little bit of distance from it in order to 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 appreciate it for what it is um whenever there's always i think a period with star wars content where you have to distance yourself a little bit from it when you're a fan like we are uh, mm-hmm. and see it for for a little bit more of what it actually is because whether it's positive or negative right whether you hate it or you love it star wars fans tend to have very polarized very strong reactions to star wars go figure um and sometimes i think it's good to step back and go 
why do I feel the way that I feel right now? And is that act is is that real or or is that just a subjective thing that I need to get over? So I went I went through the whole gamut of emotions and uh, I now I'm fine with the episode. I I actually love all of the Boba stuff. Like I I I love his character moments, and so I'm willing to overlook any of the stuff that bothered me before. But uh, shall we continue? Let keep going here. Uh, the Imperials continue moving up the hill, assaulting the bounty hunter's position with with blasters, mortar launchers, and an E-Web turret. After a narrow miss from a mortar barrage, Fennec kicks loose a boulder that rolls down the hill, flattening several troopers and destroying the E-Web. Boba takes out the squad leader and notices the Razor Crest nearby with its cargo bay door open. Din finally comes to and is still unable to reach Grogu. So he heads down the hill to help Boba and Fennec. As soon as he leaves the ruins, however, the energy field dissipates and Grogu slumps over, exhausted. Um, it's so nice to not just have to refer to Grogu as the child. <laughs> <laughs> to actually have a name. Uh, I, yeah, I'm in the camp of having loved it from the second that we heard it, but uh, uh, it's just it's just so refreshing. It's <laughs> actually be able to... on it. Yes, yeah. for sure. I was waiting to use that joke sometime. I, uh, but yeah, I, I, Fennec, uh, kicks some butt here and, uh, I shows off, uh, her, how she got her reputation, uh, uh as an assassin for sure. Um, yeah. and I love the Indiana Jones reference in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very on the nose, but it's fine. <laughs> it's one of those ones where it's like, it's it's in your face, but it's not it's not like because it's not like a one for one sort of thing like like they'll sometimes do. Um, it's OK, but it is very like there's no way that you can, you know, have a giant rolling boulder and not evoke some <laughs> Indiana Jones feels. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I when Boba realizes that he can just go get his armor, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, Din, you gotta start locking your ship. He never locks the ship. Well, he doesn't have to he worry about it anymore. He leaves the doors open. Sorry, I missed that. Oh, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore, right? I guess it's not a problem, is it? I nope. uh, yeah yeah it's uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want, you want to continue? A second troop transport comes into land, and Fennec finds herself quickly surrounded by Imperial reinforcements. Din steps in and shields her from the enemy fire, but two of them are backed into a corner by the oncoming wave of troops. Suddenly, a jetpack roars overhead. An explosive, explosive, an explosive charge drops from the sky, scattering the stormtroopers, and Boba Fett lands in their midst. Armed to the teeth and clad in his weathered green armor, Fett proceeds to single-handedly dispatch an entire squad of troopers using his pistol, gauntlet, blaster, and rocket darts fired from his knee pad. The remaining Imperials retreat to their shuttles and take off. Boba lowers his rangefinder on his helmet, takes aim at one of the shuttles, and launches a miss missile from his jetpack. The missile cripples one of the transports since it's careening into the other one, and both ships fall back to the ground in a fiery crash. God, this was so cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, like it, it doesn't get much cooler than this entrance with Boba. Like the, the way that he just kind of like slams down after the explosion. And uh, I just 
wreck shop and i love it when when he puts his knee forward that i i was uh, much like we talked about with with seeing the slave one it was very much like this giddy moment of like oh my god he's actually gonna use the rocket darts from his knee pad because that's one of those when the stormtroopers ran away after that yeah i just cracked me up for some reason like the rocket darts are one of those things that it's that's like in a visual dictionary right like like it's like a little line pointing to it that it's like rocket darts in knee pads and you're like (laughs) well why wouldn't he have used those in return of the jedi if he had them um and it's like all this stuff that he's got like of the like a flamethrower and blah 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 and all these things and and to finally see them realize on screen (laughs) and it's really like (laughs) When you think about it, it's actually not that badass to shoot little rockets out of your knee. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's very awkward. But at the same time, it's Boba Fett, so he makes it look good, right? Uh, and uh, and and the, just the way that it shot and like the that like really close, uh, tight shot on the knee, like 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 I said, like even if even if this stuff wasn't to my taste, certainly wasn't the way that I would approach directing this episode um it's it works like it all has the the intended effect and i think that 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 everybody's response to it is everybody else's response is the correct response my response to it was the wrong one i like i recognize that because when i watched it a second time i was like how did you how could you not walk away from this episode just loving it like why did you need to be a cool guy that knows things about movies you know like just 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 have fun. Clearly this episode was just well, not just, but very much meant to be like Boba Fett is back and he's doing all of the awesome stuff that we've heard about that we've read in stories or seen in comics or whatever. And he's doing it, but this time he's doing it for real. Right. Yeah. And then on top of it, Tamura Morrison is uh, getting up there in age. Uh, he's no slouch, obviously. But I, I, but he's getting up there in age and I just love, I personally love the visual of him not being like a super fit, thin hero, but, but being like this much more like, I, I immovable force, (laughs) right? Like, I, I just, just like this solid mountain of a, of a, of a Mandalorian, um, and, and just being very imposing on screen in a way that Boba wasn't previously. I don't think. Um, yeah. I just, I loved it. I thought he, he looked so good. It oh, can so we also cool. mention that Ming is in her fifties too. So yes. the fact seeing these two actors who are old by Hollywood standards, not by anyone else's, but Hollywood yep. kick some ass is amazing. And yeah. loved it. Yeah, well, and Ming-Na Wen being, uh, for my money, one of the most attractive women in Hollywood. <laughs> like, age doesn't make a difference at all. Um, and it's funny because you see all the memes online where it's, like, kind of much like Paul Rudd, right? Like, yeah. they, they just seem to get better with age. <laughs> like, to me, it, like, it's undeniable. Like, when you look at, at, at Ming-Na from the last few years, uh, it's like, yeah, like, she looks... Uh, incredible and and has these roles where she's just a just unbelievable badass and doing such cool stuff um and then on top of it she's a great performer i i and and just like embodies these characters so well 
um yeah it's very cool i also love i love that this episode is is really revolving around these three characters and uh i none of them are white men <laughs> it's it's just as speaking as a white man like it's it's refreshing to have content uh where that that doesn't have to be the default it doesn't look like a cw show right uh the 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 galaxy is a much more interesting place as a result so well, speaking uh, as an asian woman i am always thrilled to have representation especially in star wars for sure yeah yeah i i it's 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 one of those things that that i think we kind of talk about it on the periphery but but it doesn't always get um it it doesn't always get the spotlight that it should i think especially because pedro is wearing a helmet all the time so it's like i think that we we forget a lot of the time that that the lead of this show is is a person of color right Mm -hmm. like it's it's one of those things the first Um, star wars visual yeah yeah and i think it's very similar to to poe uh with oscar isaac where it's like I think I think if Pedro Pascal's name wasn't Pedro Pascal, I think that there you would have a lot of people like with Oscar Isaac that are confused when they find out that he's not just a white guy, right? Yeah, and I mean he changed um, his name just so he could get other parts. Yeah, yeah. So Which, it, it's it's uh, it's it's one of those things that like I, I like to to remind people every once in a while because because whenever you hear not whenever but a lot of the time when you hear fan casting and stuff like that you just hear the names of a lot of white actors uh, for characters that don't necessarily need to be white or hey in some instances definitely aren't white (laughs) Um, yeah exactly (laughs) let me have this one character please yeah um yeah so like i i just i think it's such a cool thing that this being one of the most popular tv shows in the world uh it's like you've got this episode which everybody loves and it's like the three like really the other the other main character that we get to see in this episode that's not a puppet uh is is giancarlo and there you go like like it's it's just the diversity of this show the representation on it is so refreshing it's so good and i think that a lot of other productions should be looking at it and uh and taking note um and and it, it it to me it makes up for a lot of the other issues that we've had this season, the controversies and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons the show I, is trying to do this other thing, right? Yeah, that's one of the reasons. Like Maggie and I keep saying, like, let's not, don't give up on the show because of a few bad people when there is so much diversity yeah. in front and behind the camera too. Yeah. We can't forget yeah. that. So it's important to remember. Yeah. For sure. And Pedro um, Pascal is just an amazing person. So yes. I'm like, support him in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. 100% agreed. Uh, here, let's let's keep going. Okay. Uh, the, the Bounty Hunter's victory is short-lived. Din watches in disbelief as a single turbo laser bolt fired from an Imperial cruiser in Tython's upper atmosphere streaks toward the surface and obliterates the Razor Crest in an instant. Boba takes off his jetpack, hoping to reach Slave 1. Sorry, takes off on his jetpack, hoping to reach Slave 1 before it suffers the same fate. Moff Gideon smirks in satisfaction from the bridge of the cruiser. On his order, four robotic dark troopers depart from the ship and rocket down toward the Jedi ruins. Din and Fennec run back up the hill to reach Grogu, but the dark troopers get there first. They snatch the child, 
and take off into the sky as Din watches helplessly. Um, there is Okay, so this is the one criticism that I'm going to have of this episode that is going to stay. Okay. Din looks up and he uses the his mask to see the the cruiser, right? And so we get the shot of the cruiser, which takes away from the moment that we'll talk about in a second oh, when yeah. Boba first sees the cruiser. That to me is a mistake. That like like we should have saved the reveal of the cruiser for Boba because his reaction, reaction. to it is so important, but it's such a minor thing. It really doesn't matter. But I, I just think that that moment with Boba would have hit harder and we would have felt what he felt if that had been the first time that we saw that cruiser in its entirety and, and saw the scale of it. Um, and saw for, like, like most importantly to me, like that thing is shiny and new. That's not, yeah. that's not Imperial remnant to me. Like that thing looks like it's fresh off the, the factory assembly line. Right. Um, and much like like uh, uh, Gideon's armor, it looks like it's actually a step between Old Empire and First Order. I uh, which like like I I th- people don't talk about that with Gideon enough that like when you look at his stuff, his gear is not Imperial. It's it to me it looks like it's First Order, and like it's got that that more like uh, streamlined Apple <laughs> uh, Stormtrooper <laughs> look to it. Um, and then, and then the dark troopers are like this other thing as well. Um, I also think it was a little bit weak to introduce the dark troopers in this way. Obviously, like this is a moment that packs a punch, but they don't really, they don't really do anything. <laughs> they just land, pick up the kid and then fly away. Um, I, it, I, I would have preferred to just see them from a distance. And then when the first time that we see them is just as Din and Fennec are getting there and they're rocketing off. And for us to like, just get like a half a second glance at them as they rocket off so that we could save the full reveal for like, like the here they are in all their glory for when we see them in action, like actually doing something scary. Um, I think why they do that is because like the, the general audience kind of needs their hand held. And maybe not sure. remember seeing them a few episodes ago with Gideon. So that might be it. But yeah. I get what you're saying. And it should be more dramatic because it's the freaking dark troopers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For those, I think, yeah, that, that's a very good point. And that goes back to what I was saying of like, Star Wars fans react differently to this stuff than general audience, for sure. Uh, for those of us who know what the Dark Troopers are or have played the Dark Forces games specifically. Um, and so like these designs are not, they're not new to me, right? So yeah. so for me, like seeing them in CG, like in, in live action CG is definitely awesome. Uh, it's very cool to finally see them. But then for them to just land and then take off knowing what Dark Trooper robot like droids can do battle droids can do it's yeah. like oh man it's it's like it's it's like a tease um that that i think kind of takes away from it a little bit but but i think you're right i think that for the general audience it was probably a more impressive moment of like seeing robot stormtroopers for the first time because <laughs> yeah. that would be a very new thing to a lot of fans for sure all right do you want, let, let's keep going Boba swoops in on Slave One. Din orders him not to shoot down the troopers to avoid harming Grogu. 
so Fett tails the Imperials to see where they're headed. The Dark Troopers return to the cruiser and it jumps into hyperspace, and Boba is left bewildered by the, by the realization that the Empire has seemingly returned. This to me is the most um, clear indication of uh, the beginning of the First Order that we've gotten in the series. Uh, we got kind of hints of it when we saw Gideon's TIE Fighter land last season where we were like, that's new. TIE Fighters don't do that, right? Um, and it had a lot of people questioning, like, where is he getting his stuff from? Um uh, and then there were sort of hints at the beginning, like before the season started, that the, that there would be some connective tissue to the origins of the First Order in this season. And uh, and to meet Boba's reaction where he says they're back, right? And he's like, there's fear in his voice when he says it. Uh, th- that to me is like, it, that's, that's the indication of like, well, the Empire was like on its on its heel right like 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 the new republic has won um and and depending on where exactly where we are in the timeline whether this is before the battle of jakku or after it or or around the same time is i think sort of still up for debate but um but regardless like to see like i said like this brand new cruiser like and and the dark troopers and all of that stuff uh, I think like Boba has the reaction of someone in the galaxy who's like, "Uh oh, <laughs> this is bad news," um, and I think that it's very similar to how we uh, understand Leia reacted when she found out about the First Order and was like, "I gotta, I gotta leave the Senate and I gotta go start the Resistance right oh. now, like not on my watch," sort of thing, because um, Boba is very much like. As much as as he has no allegiance to anyone but himself, he said that in this episode, uh, he recognizes that the Empire was a bad thing. It wasn't good for the galaxy. It was maybe good for his pocketbook, but but not. It was a bad thing for the galaxy, and them coming back is a bad thing. Um, so I I love this. Is actually, I think this is actually my favorite part of the episode. Um, is is this moment, and that's probably the reason why I I say what I say about like it it i wanted it to hit harder than it did because i understand what they were going for like i understand it as it was written on the page i think but but the episode kind of it it kind of softens it with seeing the cruiser a second ago um but yeah i love this and and again tomorrow morrison's performance is so good in this episode this is one of the examples for me Mm -hmm. uh do anything or should we keep going uh, cool. Uh, back on the ground, Din picks through bits of wreckage in the crater where his ship once stood. He finds Grogu's beloved control knob and the Beskar spear gifted to him by Ahsoka. He returns to Boba and Fennec, and Fett shows Din a hologram projection of his chain code. It reveals that Fett's armor belonged to his father, Jango Fett, who was a foundling just like Din, and even fought in the Mandalorian Civil Wars. Jaren accepts this and allows Fett to keep the armor. In exchange, Boba intends to honor the original their original deal and says that he and Fennec will stay with Din and help ensure Grogu's safe return. This, this moment, it there was a little bit of a, of like pity on Boba's part, I think, where he was like, well, 
we're not just going to leave you on Tython. <laughs> like, there's yeah. nothing here. Like, like this is a dead planet. Like, there's no, there's seemingly no settlements. There's no civilization. I, we're at least going to give you a ride. But you know what? Like, I feel bad for you. Your ship got blown up and your kid got stolen because we interrupted you. I, so I, uh, I guess, I guess, I guess we're yours until we get the kid back. Um, I'm so excited. But, uh, for this. So excited. Yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh, this to me is the best indicator of of how far Boba has come since the last time that we saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's living by a by a moral code that I don't think he was living by in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I think back then it was a little bit more of like a highest bidder, bounty hunter sort of mentality, and to me it actually it reflects Din's journey a lot where that's where we met Din at the beginning of this series. And he's obviously come a long way, but here's Boba who is ahead of him already. Right. Like yeah. uh, it's funny. He precedes him and he is also <laughs> further ahead of him in the story as well. Um, I guess that makes sense logically, but I, uh, but it, de- it's definitely setting Boba up as a mentor uh, as the Obi-Wan Kenobi to, din's luke skywalker which which i i really like it i like i love the way that they've set this up i love where we are at the end of this episode um and i i i just i want more i want more nuggets of wisdom from old man boba like i just it's it's so cool to have him back in this form um and uh, and the chain code thing is cool if you've seen the translations there's a little piece of it that hints at Jaster Mareel and Concord Dawn, which ties into Legends stuff that was retconned when Attack of the Clones happened that was further retconned because of the Clone Wars. <laughs> and uh, I, it's, it's very cool to see this stuff sort of like brought back into the, into the lexicon. Um, I, in this very like very subtle, not even subtle, very Easter egg way of uh, uh, just hinting at that backstory, um, and uh, and I, I hope that I hope that this means that we're gonna get some of that stuff. Uh, and you know what? Uh, if they do a Boba spinoff, they could do it in a way where they they do um, like a split timeline where you've got Jango Fett and you've got Boba Fett and you tell both of their stories at the same time. Cause you could just do some cool de-aging stuff with Tamara Morrison. Cause he's playing, cause he plays both characters. So or even uh, have him maybe teen Boba from yeah. Clone Wars and just have flash. It could be flashbacks with anything, but yeah, I would love to know how he got from kind of like the whiny teen Boba <laughs> yeah. to like the biggest badass in the galaxy and you know Bader has him on speed dial yeah yeah um I I I maintain that we're gonna see that in Bad Batch I think that they're gonna adapt the the Boba Cad Bane Clone Wars arc that that um that got scrapped uh and and put that in Bad Batch um so like that's that's totally I have no reason to believe that other than you know sort of seeing how dave does stuff <laughs> he never throws anything away um but i uh, because that would be the right time period to do that you ju- just tweak that story a little bit um and they could even start to bring in some of the thirteen thirteen concepts 
into that um, and and get a little bit of that storyline because having Boba hook up with Bad Batch, I think, could be a very cool way to explore his Mandalorianness and his his connection to the clones. Um, being also, that he is one, but yeah, he isn't. Show, yeah, show how he got his skills, how he became such a good tracker, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Because all yeah. the the Bad Batch, they all have a series of special skills yeah yeah exactly so i think i think if you take bad batch and cad bane and you make those his mentors it's like he learns all of the how like the soldiering stuff from bad batch but he learns how to be a bounty hunter from cad bane and have that mantle of the best bounty hunter in the galaxy pass from cad bane to boba fett um i think that that story needs to be told somewhere and i think that that was dave's intention with that arc I, I, and had it been in the Clone Wars, we would have gotten it in that final season. But, um, but obviously that was scrapped. And he, he, he talked about it in that sort of a way uh, at Celebration when they did that panel where they showed a bunch of the, the scrapped Clone Wars uh, material that, 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 that never made it uh, uh, to, to air. So, um, yeah, I know. I think that we could see that in that form but but just sort of talking about this i think it it could be really cool to see daniel logan play a star wars character again but to have these two actors swap if you did a if you did flashbacks to Django when he was a foundling like when he was first uh inducted into the mandalorian way uh he could you could do stories of him in his 20s and and you could you could have daniel logan play Django in his 20s um, yeah, which could be really cool. Uh, Even though he's not that, now. Yeah, you could almost have it like lead right up to meeting Darth Tyrannus ten years before Attack yeah. of the Clones, uh, and get get a, a Christopher Lee, uh, not a cameo, but maybe do what they should have done with uh, with Tarkin and Leia, and just okay. literally have him from behind and just have it's the voice, awesome. just get Corey Burton to do the voice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like there's so many possibilities with stories that you could tell with Boba and Django. So yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll just have to wait and see, but it feels like they've set some stuff up and eventually like with all star Wars stuff, eventually we'll get these things. Yeah. Um, uh, where are we? Is this, um, I think it's, yeah. it's you, right? Yeah. Slave one touches down in Navarro and then visits his friend Cara Dune now serving as a marshal of the new Republic and asks her for help in locating and bringing the former Imperial sharpshooter, Migs Mayfeld, who he believes can help him locate Moff Gideon's cruiser. Although Kara would love to help her friend strike a bow against the Empire, she has rules to follow and can't simply release a new Republic prisoner. However, she seemingly changes her mind when Din reveals the Imperials have kidnapped the child. Uh, so this is interesting. I, I, uh, this is... To me, for a second, it felt like they were kind of writing her out of it. <laughs> but then towards the end of it, when he says, you know, like that they kidnapped the, the child, that that's, uh, that I don't know, maybe she will be in this next episode. But uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But, Again, trans rights are human rights. This is <laughs> yeah. By the way, for no exactly. no reason. Yeah, anyway. apropos of nothing. Just apropos remember nothing. that. But yeah, or... <laughs> This could just have been a way for Din to have a connection with the New Republic so he could get this information yeah. to get him. Because it's going to be crowded on Slave One soon. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, even if you account for all of the space below the, the bridge, uh, that the, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, cutaway books tell you is there uh it's still i don't i don't know that there's enough yeah, room for like 10 job people to be there she just tells yeah. him the info and she can't be like shown you know doing stuff against the new republic she can help in a way like leaking some information but that's it she doesn't need to be in the next episode at all yeah yeah no i it, i would be much happier if we focused on this new trio right yeah. with with They're fennec awesome. and and boba but like I said, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, here, let's let me wrap this up now. Uh, Moff Gideon strides confidently through the corridors of his cruiser and heads toward the detention area. He opens a cell door and finds Grogu using the force against a pair of stormtroopers guarding him. The child flings the troopers against the cell walls, then slumps over in exhaustion. Gideon taunts the child, impressed by his power, but mocking the way it drains his strength. One of the stormtroopers knocks Grogu out cold with a stun blast. Gideon walks out of the cell, ordering the troopers to shackle the child and inform Dr. Pershing that they have their donor. Um, And then we end the episode on the most adorable pair of space handcuffs you've ever seen in your life. Um, Can I say that Gideon is like now the most terrifying Star Wars villain? That he can be so ruthless to baby disturbs me so much. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think I feel like like we've revealed uh, something important about Gideon in this moment. Uh, I, and he knows so much more about Grogu than anybody else we've encountered in the series, right? Like, like Ahsoka is able to talk to Grogu and fill in some of the gaps for us. But it's very clear to me that Gideon understands where he came from, what he is, all of these things, right? Like, Gideon, there are no gaps for Gideon. He knows everything there is to know about Grogu. Um, and the way that he talks to him, he doesn't talk down. It's, it's actually very similar to Ahsoka. Like Ahsoka talks directly to Grogu. And I mean, obviously they also have their conversations through the force, but even when she's addressing him or, or more importantly, when she's admonishing Din for the way that he talks to Grogu, I, there's a, there's an attitude of like, he's actually, he's actually not a baby. He, he appears that way to, to everybody. And he's been through this severe trauma and because of that, there are some like sort of, I think, regressions uh, in development that we saw in particular early on in the series. And as he's gotten more comfortable, he's sort of started to reconcile some of that trauma as he begins to trust uh, Din. Right. And so we see him developing very quickly. Right. And and. Uh, able to do things and then the second that that ahsoka is talking to him it's like she's talking to not like a three or four year old uh or at times grogu comes off as like a one-year-old in a lot of ways but that she's talking to like a 10 year old right like she's talking to like like the way that she talks to grogu is very similar to the way that she talked to the padawans uh in in the padawan like the 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 youngling arc in the clone wars right like it, it, like there's a similarity there to me, and then the way that Gideon 
taunts him with the lightsaber of like, oh, no, not quite yet, says to me like, yeah, but not that far away, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like he's not ready for it right now. And obviously the dark saber is like the, the saber itself is the same size as Grogu, like the, mm-hmm. the hilt, right? But could Grogu be at the, the stage where he might build a lightsaber soon? Probably sooner than we think. Like I, 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 and I think that that was sort of one of the little hints at that, that we were getting here. Um, but, uh, but, but I do agree with you. The way that Gideon treats a child is despicable. He is, he is straight up evil. Um, but I think that there's, there are hints at something even more insidious here that, that it's beyond just, uh, using, this child as a tool as a means to an end um there's like a there's a cruelty to it there's like a viciousness um and and the way that he delights in the the pain that grogu is causing to these stormtroopers but then is also caused by it right like he's like there's just this really sadistic element to the character that i it's just very dark side. It's more than just, it's more than Tarkin. It's more than, uh, than Krennic. It's like, he's more than just a moth or an Imperial officer, right? Like he's not just, he's not following orders. He is, he's pure evil. He's, <laughs> he's definitely pure evil. He's a moth that's like lost everything. And yeah. it's like at the point where there's barely anything left to lose. So he, he is trying to rebuild something that was very much destroyed. Yeah. There's almost, there's almost like a through line here with like Gideon and Hux and, um, I, Oh, what was the, the, what was the guy, the allegiant pride general, super general, whatever his name was. It was something Um, pride. (laughs) Was it pride? Yeah. Yeah. Was it pride? (laughs) I, I okay so I'm okay yeah I there's almost like this through line with those characters that they the obviously Hux wasn't around during the the rebellion because he's too young but but like you you sort of get the idea that he was taught this way by his father and by his grandfather through some of the the EU material right yeah um the 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 Imperials that survived not even necessarily survive, but kept the, the fire burning after the fall of the empire were the worst of the worst, right? Like, like these ones that, that are still around, um, they're the, they're the slimiest, dirtiest, grossest of the, of the Imperials, because you would imagine that someone like Yalarin, I, uh, who was not really a bad guy. He was just a career military officer that when the empire fell, if he was still around that he would have been like, well, I guess that's that. <laughs> right. Like I, uh, and, and, or may have even defected at some point during the rebellion. Right. We, we know so many stories of Imperial officers and, and soldiers that defected to the rebellion because you know, they realized they were the bad guys at a certain point. So the ones that are left after return of the Jedi are only the most cruel and vicious. 
Like it's just like the 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 disgusting cream has risen to the top, uh, just by virtue of everybody else either putting down their weapons or or turning sides. Probably, and, and I would imagine that there was probably a period where it was like the war is over, surrender and like hand yourself over to the new republic, and maybe you know they they would go easier on some of these imperials, knowing like hey like the status quo was the status quo. Like that's what the, to me, Mon Mothma would definitely be like, some of you are just soldiers and you were just not just following orders, but you didn't see the part of the empire that others saw. Uh, Cause you were in the outer rim or whatever, like you were on an outpost and not part of the empire subjugating people necessarily. Right. So I like, like there was maybe a little bit of forgiveness there, but but the ones who were like, no, we're not going to turn ourselves in. We're not going to surrender. We're going to keep fighting seem to have all been just deplorable, <laughs> just the worst. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe that's what the, the, the lineage of, of someone like, uh, like Gideon, but uh, I still think he's either a Mandalorian or he's maybe some, some sort of a dark side, uh, dark sider of some kind. Right, because he's got that dark saber, so you or know, he's like, a... like, does that mean more, or does it? Is it just in the wrong hands? But uh, any any thoughts on that? Do you have any any theories on Gideon? I think maybe he's like a wannabe dark sider, like maybe yeah. not quite like a Jedi back in the day or an Inquisitor. That's a theory, or he could have been a Mandalorian. And he saw that, like, the Jedi or, like, Luke Skywalker is the one who destroyed the Empire. So that's why he wants to use the Force. Mm. So there's there's a bunch of things. I probably am completely wrong. And I can't yeah. to be wrong because I love being surprised in this series. Totally. Yeah. Wait. Um, yeah, I mean, like, with, with the introdu- introduction of Dark Troopers... I feel like there could be this uh, thread of dark forces stuff that they're trying to bring into it. And the idea that they're um, that they're trying to use Grogu's blood to give soldiers force powers. uh, It kind of lines up. It's a, it's a very different interpretation, but, but in, in Jedi Knight in dark forces, Jedi Knight, um, part of that storyline is that these Imperials are trying to f- find this thing that'll give them the ability to, to have give people without the ability to use the force, the ability to use the force. And that's how Kyle Katarn gets the ability to use the force, which like, he's not, he's not predisposed to it. Like other characters in star Wars, he gets this rock and the rock gives him abilities. Um, which is just a video game thing. It's a this. There's a reason why the EU got blown up, and it, and why I don't weep for it, because uh, <laughs> there's some really silly stuff in there. But um, that said, Kalkatarn is one of my favorite characters from Legends EU. Uh, uh, but uh, but that's always been this silly thing. But but Dave has done a lot of taking silly things from Legends canon. And weaving them into Clone Wars or Rebels, now Mandalorian, um, and I could see them sort of adapting that that aspect of the story and try and and 
maybe Gideon is obsessed, like you say, like because Luke is so well known for being a Jedi and for destroying the Empire, right? He's he's this legend that Gideon is like, I want that power. Yeah. And I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get that power, even though it's not a power that can be taken. Right. Um, and so that's maybe that's a little bit of what we're seeing here. Um but yeah, that's a that 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 could be an interesting angle to it that they haven't explored yet. But uh, there's definitely more going on with that character than we know. I think that that's that much is certain is that he has a he's he has some sort of a past with the Mandalorians and or Jedi that will uh, uh, come out in the next little while. Um, let's jump into the mailbag. Let's uh, let's let's see what uh, what our listeners thought of the episode. Hop over over to Facebook, facebook.com slash Star Wars FMI, uh, and uh, see what Stephen Yip has to say. Uh, He uh, he wrote, I definitely enjoyed these episodes. I may be in the minority, but I have been enjoying these episodes a lot more than most of the recent movies. This incarnation of Boba is great. Not just a cool guy, a guy in cool armor, but uh, with depth of character. If they pull off a big season finale where we have Mando, Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, Boba, Karga, Cara Dune, a revived IG-11, and those two rebel pilots help fight Moff Gideon and his dark troopers in a big, a crazy big battle, I will be so happy. As long as they survive. Um, I don't think we're going to see IG-11 resurrected. I think that he was he was blown up in the same way that the Razor Crest has been blown up. I don't think he's coming back. Um, but, uh, I think if he were going to come back, we would have seen him. Yeah. Somebody actually, one of my friends texted me, this is a Redditor, um, mentioned that the line of Boba saying that he missed the ship is a mm. line similar to what was in Magnificent Seven, which is about a group of people coming together for a mission. So mm. definitely can see that happening. Yeah, I, I do see like it building towards towards like putting the team together. I don't know if Ahsoka will come back, but uh, I expect to see Bo-Katan at some point again in the series. Yeah. I don't know if we'll see her in this season. Or she's uh, in the series. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Everybody um, gets a series. But yeah. Uh, sorry? Oh, I'm just saying everybody gets a series. We don't know. I'm ready oh, to yeah. find Yeah, yeah. Everybody's getting a spinoff. Um. Cool. Uh, let's jump over to email. Uh, Sherston wrote in again this this week. Uh, she's been writing in for every episode, which has been great. Uh, listen, I've never been a big uh, Boba Fett fan person, but this entire episode was just so, so good for him. Is it bad that I feel more sad about the Razor Crest getting blown up than Grogu being kidnapped? I think it's that I know they're going to get Grogu back, but the Razor Crest is gone forever. Um, yeah. I would agree with that. I think that everything that Sherston puts in here is in this email is accurate. <laughs> I, I, like I said before, never that big of a Boba person, uh, except when I was a kid and just cared about action figures that shot rockets. Um, but I, I, this incarnation is awesome. And yeah, I'm, I'm bummed about the Razor Crest, but also it, it's a good thing. This is a good thing. Cause this is one of those, it's it, like the episode's titled "The Tragedy." Some bad stuff has to happen in order for Din to come out the other side, um, having learned something. Uh, like the we've we have to go through this in order for the hero's journey to be a hero's journey, right? He's 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 got to sort of uh, hit those low lows. 
Yeah. And he's got to realize that his real home is with his son. Yeah, I yeah, I do I think that there's a there's a big component of that 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 the Razorcrest was their home. Um and it was more a home than ever uh with Grogu, but but yeah, the realization that it wasn't the ship that made it a home, it was the two of them together. Um for sure. And and I think more than just the two of them together, I think that what we're finding here is that like grief is even included in this um that they like they've been they're building a family i mean it's it's star wars there you can't have star wars without found family being somewhere in there so uh it's uh it's it's such an important component but um cool uh well i think we'll, we'll wrap it up there um any any closing thoughts before we uh before we finish out the episode just i can't wait to see more Boba and Fennec. I was very yeah. upset last season when they just waited <laughs> like that. I was like, wait, you advertised her. You said she was going to be in the series. And then you give me like five minutes. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I said at the time that, that she would be back. I was convinced of it and I'm so glad to be vindicated. It's one of those things where I'm like, I'm, I'm usually, happy to be surprised by the show but uh but i'm even happier to uh to to be proven right um and and i had also said that 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 those spurs that whoever that was walking up was either boba or Cobb vanth and i was kind of right in both ways uh because <laughs> we ended up getting both characters um uh this season and uh so yeah i like i'm really happy to have fennec shan back and uh uh, new and improved it's nice that she's now on the on the good guy side that she's she's made a transition into being a hero uh, or at least it appears that way so far so um yeah lots to look forward to i i hopefully we got a bunch of good news about new star wars projects that we're all really excited about we'll definitely talk about it a lot on the next episode um there i'm sure there will be a lot to talk about um and uh and yeah i'm just i can't wait for for this next episode i'm uh, i don't i don't know if i've anticipated an episode as much as i'm anticipating this next one but uh, i i but that's it for this one that's it for this week i Candace, where where can people find you I, I give them all the links all the all the the important information yeah we're the geekywaffle.com geeky underscore waffle on twitter and then the geeky waffle everywhere else Awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely check out Geeky Waffle. It's, it's, you're more of like a general geek yeah. content podcast, right? Yeah, but I gotta love me some Star Wars. Star Wars is like my first fandom and I've been yeah. in love with it since I was nine. So it's no different than Thunderquack podcast for me, where it's like Thunderquack is supposed to be about everything. It's like I have my Star Wars podcasts and I'm not, I shouldn't talk about Star Wars as much on Thunderquack as I do, but it's impossible. Yeah, it's it impossible because everything just goes back to Star Wars. It's yeah. all it, it's it's at the core. So, um, no, for sure. Everybody check out check out Geeky Waffle. And uh, uh, thank you for listening. You guys know you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ArcWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. And follow my art Instagram, uh, ArcangelWolf, A-A, sorry, A-R-K-A-N-G-E-L-W-U-L-F. 
uh, for my Mando Monday illustrations. This week, uh, obviously, I had to draw Boba, uh, mm-hmm. but I did him in his robes because he looked good. I loved it. Uh, yeah, he looks so great. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Candace, so much for being on this episode. Uh, and uh, and we'll catch you guys next week. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Star Wars FMI. If you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Your pledge gets you early access, exclusive podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. Faster More Intense is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com for more great podcasts.